Lots of new housing with more space. Lots of new slamming in our face. I'll get a terrace apartment. Better get rid of your accent. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is all right in America. If you're all white in America. Hello and welcome to what may be honestly the most special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Not only is it the seventh annual Fixie Awards, um, Chapin Hemingway, Lee Carlo, Jeremy Fisk are all sitting together around a table recording this podcast for the first time ever. It's and weird I, looking you guys in the eye. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> and not only that... We are doing it from the Aria Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada, overlooking the beautiful Vegas Strip. Yep. Because, and why do we do all this? Because it's the Fixie Awards, the most prestigious award show in entertainment, I would say. Not just movies. That's a good point. I, I would say in all of entertainment. I mean, definitely definitely but more we, than the Grammys. We only cover one medium. <laughs> Well, it's like the Oscars would be right. considered, you know, normally the gold standard, but here we are. We're all wearing blazers, looking good. We're recording it um, on camera. We're drinking uh, nice champagne. Lee, do you want to... Billicard Simone Blanc de Blanc. Mm-hmm. Blanc de Blanc per Chapin's request. Yep, obviously. Uh, Billicard Simone, I think, is, I think it's quite nice. I've never had it before. And I just want to remind everyone that this is all paid for by uh, subscribers and listeners <laughs> yeah. like yourself. We want to thank our Patreon. Because yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do ads. Nope, no we, ads. We, 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 we do that for a reason. To yeah. maintain the purity yeah, of the podcast. exactly. How would you like it if we just said, and now, before we get to the fixies, we're going to inundate you with five different ads. Oh, it'd be so annoying. Um, but again, I want to thank... Uh, the, <laughs> the Aria Resort. The Aria Resort and the uh, Blanc de Blanc Champagne <laughs> and the, uh, the Vegas Strip. Um, did, we, did you? So, do we want to check in on our blood alcohol level? I think that is a really important thing yeah. to start. So, off with. just to let everyone know what we've been doing, we purchased one of those uh, blood alcohol meters that you know, if you got pulled over and you were a little bit drunk driving, they would have you blow into it just to see um, if we can maintain a certain level. And of course, we're doing this based on a movie because well, yep. we don't come up with any of our original a, a fixie nominated movies. Yeah, another round that came out last year. Um, Multiple Fixie nominations. Yep. So in that movie, they had the theory that if uh, your blood alcohol was 0.05, you'd be at your peak, at your best. Um, so we're, we're testing that theory. Yep. We've been well above that. And we've been, uh, but we've been at our peak. But we have been at our peak. And for all of us, it's a different peak, I would say. Yeah. Uh, or a different blood alcohol. I'm at 0. 0.09.5. And that's right, from one, one sip of champagne. Wait, this, is, this can't be right. I've already drunk according to this thing. We could try again. Like, I couldn't dri- drive according to that? I have literally half a glass of champagne. Uh, and while you guys are talking about this, I want to sincerely, sincerely thank uh, Palmer and Associates for tallying My all goodness. What, these... My goodness, what good work they do. Yeah, tallying all these votes, putting together a... Incredibly designed award. Uh, yeah. Uh, From what we can tell sli- so far, yeah. the rest Slide of the slides show. all suck. <laughs> uh, and it was really nice that he got it here on helicopter in a briefcase. Uh, chained to the arm of some. It's good that the, this morning. Yeah, that it's good was, that the Aria has a heli- helipad. Well, that's we one of the have, reasons yeah. we stayed here. Yeah. yeah. 
And we're going to be doing these blood alcohol checks periodically so throughout the show. So if you hear some beeping the, the, and, the, and blowing. I wish that... Um, That's going to be so annoying. Palmer and Associates had remembered the key because unfortunately we had to chop that intern's arm off. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was weird. That was... <laughs> Poor kid. He said they, he said specifically, hey, my bosses said get this to you no, no matter to be what. Fair, to be fair to him, we knew they could reattach it at the hospital. Like, we did a clean cut. It was a it clean was, cut. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like we were. I'm at a point oh six. Okay, I don't think it's reading me right, so let's do me again. <laughs> uh, do we want to get to any of these uh, awards or just want to keep I think we should. testing I think our... We should probably... I mean, it is normally a six-hour podcast, yeah. so I think we should maybe get into it. Uh, we're just going to fill our champagne glasses a little bit here. I'd love a little bit more of that. And fill and, her up there, bub. And go from there. Um, so I, I don't think I'm going to... Uh, okay, real quick. Anything you guys want to say before I get into the first category? Uh, just on the year in general. Yeah, okay, um, that's a good That's a good starting point. Well, you know what? The one thing I did want to bring up is, is, Jeremy, a point you've been making um, in the recent months about this maybe being a bad year. Yeah. Uh, 2021, bad year for movies. And I've pushed back against you that have. narrative. Um, although I will say that I don't entirely disagree with you. I don't think it's been a bad year, but what I will say is that I think maybe we were lacking the amount of great movies that we're used to, that or, we're accustomed to. I think the there were a couple of years. I think especially. there were a lot of good movies this year, yeah. actually. So I don't know if I would say that this was a bad year, um, but I, I do think that it was a little bit disappointing considering how many movies got pushed from 2020. Right, that's an excellent point that you brought up. I forgot about that. So I think that was that left us a little disappointed on on what we ended up with. But I I certainly don't think this was a bad year. I'm I'm you know really happy with almost all my picks in every category. I will say I had some thin categories. We'll we'll discuss those obviously. But um, I think it was a good year. I don't okay. want to call and it great. Re- I don't and real say quick it was bad. before we start, so Lee put together this amazing spreadsheet months ago that basically has every movie we needed to might. Every movie to, of the year, right? Um, well, every every, every movie yeah. that could be considered a fixie contender, and we sort of going mm. through and checking them off the list. And of course, Lee uh, watched about double the amount of movies Chapin and I did. But Chapin and I did get to all the sort of priority must see. You, you did. I I, I I have two omissions, which is I, I was halfway through the Green Knight and loving it, but I can't fairly put it on any lists, unfortunately. And I did not see. Come on, come on. Uh, I did want to. So I have some statistics, guys. So, yeah, we all watched a lot of movies. In fact, we watched collectively um, 17,761 minutes of movies this year. Holy crap. 296 hours of, of movie watching collectively among the when three When you put of us. it like that, that sounds pathetic. Um, which is over 11 days. Good for us. So, Jesus. I think uh, we deserve another toast to ourselves for that, all for right. doing all the hard work. All right. And I say we get into it. Cheers. Yes, as the host this year, I'm going to try to move us along as best I can. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for under five hours. Yep. So we'll we'll s- split it up into two parts. We, have a, we do have a dinner reservation we have to make eventually. Yep. <laughs> All right, so this is, uh, we're going to start out this year with uh, best cinematography. And I think we're going to just go in order every time. Do you want to... Chapin, do you want to kick us off? Then lead, then me. Sure. And and uh, we'll say who, absolutely who are. So let's just go right to it. So I, we we rank these five to one. We're gonna go through all of them. Uh, Chapin, what was your number five? Uh, my number five. All my all my uh, nominees this year have a theme, which is camera movement. Hmm. And my number five is Licorice Pizza. I really loved, in particular, the um, the the dollying shots in that film. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not crazy about the way. 
uh, I was talking to um, a camera assistant friend of mine who uh, actually saw the same screening of Licorice Pizza as I did, and we saw it in the 7-millimeter blow-up, and I'm not crazy about that format. It's a little soft. I, I like his use of spherical lenses better and phantom thread, for example. Um, but I just thought the way the camera moved in this movie was awesome. And yeah. we all know PTA can, can, can shoot So that was Paul Thomas movie. Anderson and Michael Bowman, according to IMDb. Got yeah. it. Got yeah. it. Which PT, so PTA helped a little on Phantom Thread, yeah, too, he, right? He but took over he, a little bit. Yeah, he was little the, by little, he's kind of starting to do his own thing. Uh, Lee, your number five. My number five is Dan Lauston for Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect oh, wait, example. Are we talking about, are we trying to talk about one movie each category once? Yeah, if you have points okay, to say, yeah, you don't I, have to tell us where it is. Exactly. But, yeah. So before you get into your number five, my number five also was Licorice was Pizza. Was Licorice Pizza. Yeah, so same points as Chapin. Um, uh, Lee's number five. Dan Lauston. Dan I think Lauston. Nightmare Alley is just a perfect example of how important the cinematography is in telling the story. It's yeah. just that look, that, that mystical look, that ominous look, that feel, the mood of that movie all ties back to the cinematography. It looks well, amazing. The cinematography... Surely get a ton of credit for that, but that was if we had a, a fixie for production set design. design or production design, that would absolutely. That win. was it another was, thought it, I had. Is yeah. like because we don't have that category, so like more and more, I'm like, this is this kind of, this is the award for that. Yeah, yeah. it blends it because I had the same thought with 1917 a couple of years ago. Like the set design, the production design, and that was so good, it made the cinematography look easy. Yeah, and this is a little different story. It just looks so cool and rich, and the colors and the the fog and all that stuff just looked so great. And I mean. Sometimes it just does come down to that, how good the movie looks. I know we try to dig it a little deeper than that, but... Yeah, I just love, again, I just love the way the camera moved. It was so motivated, and obviously the way they lit up the carnival, and... Yeah, um, okay, so... Right, your number four, My number Chapin. four is... I want to get the names right here, especially this one. Um, is Helene Louvart for The Lost Daughter. Um, a lot of oh, yeah. really nice handheld stuff here. It kind of inspired a little bit of this commercial I just shot. Um, I found it very inspiring. I love the way that they, they shot that film. Um, it was not shot on film, but it looks like it was. They did a really nice, I think, elegant and subtle way of, of suggesting that, uh, you know, trying to go for a film look when you, could, when you couldn't afford it. Um, and I think her collaboration with Maggie Gyllenhaal was a key part of that movie working for me. It's not overly beautiful, but it's also really... Yeah, I think that's what kept it for me from making my list. Is it isn't just It isn't a flashy cinematography movie. It's not a look-at-me sort of cinematography movie, which is totally fine. But Yeah, so I recognized the name. I had to look it up. Uh, I nominated her last year for Never Really, Sometimes, Always, cinematography and that. Um, so this, she's a two-time Fixie nominee now. Um, I like the... I like the the consistent so that movie's grown on me. We're going to talk more about that. Um, we had a long podcast about it, but the the consistency in that movie, whether it's direction, acting, cinematography, it it's there's nothing that stands out, which sounds bad, but it look that's that's the point. Uh, my number four mm-hmm. is Andrew draws Palermo for the Green Knight. Uh, this was the first movie I saw in 2021 that had legitimate fixie considerations and the cinematography was probably the first thing i thought about it's just uh they do such cool things more here. fog we need more fog well the fog looks great the movie looks great but i mean it's they take some risks he flips the camera upside down at one point does this really interesting 180 shot where time passes yeah. 
Uh, there's amazing uses of color in this movie. Obviously, there's some moments of green, but there's red and blues. It's just a really uh, rich, interesting, and unique and risky movie in terms of the way it's shot. I think it. I think it was a no-brainer. Yeah, I love the way they move the camera in that one too. Um, yeah, I didn't like that movie as much as you did, and I think part of that kept it from my cinematography list. So there's. <clears throat> Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that we'll about that, that. As, those aspects later. What was your number four? Uh, we haven't got into it oh. yet. Uh, my number four is um, Bruno Del Bono from Del Bono. Do we drink? So are we drinking every time Jeremy mispronounces a name? Uh, yeah, yeah, especially cheers. on this one. Cheers. Yeah, cheers for that. It's gonna happen a lot. Uh, tragedy of Macbeth. At number four. At number four. Yeah. Okay. So so I just you know <laughs> just to speak for you. Um, yeah. I, Gorgeous cinematography. I don't know. Yeah, just that, that movie. See, the movie you, didn't work enough just, for me to put it up higher, and also like it, it, that movie was all about the cinematography. How and do you the black make empty white. space look that good? Is yeah, my question with a it. Great point. Yeah. White walls, like it's all the things in a student film you see where like they didn't put up any set decoration. Right. It's this all lighting. It it's, it's all incredible. lighting. Yeah. No, and again, if the movie, it's hard for me to like put that number one when I I wasn't that crazy about the movie. Right, I can understand that, but. It just looks so. I talked to Chapin on that podcast about Joel Cohen potentially getting a fixing nomination for Best Director yeah. and that movie not making my top 10. Yeah. We'll find out the story with that later on. But the cinematography applies kind of in the same regard. It was not a movie that, that worked for me. I mean, I can tell you it's not in my top 10, but it's just, it's undeniably how good that movie looks. Yeah. It's interesting. I think like they had a much more natural, like, uh, imagine if. They were. He was still working with Deacons for that movie. You know, what would that look like? I don't think that's quite his style. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that it would be the same setup. Because if you think there's some, the the last uh, chapter in Ballad of Buster Scruggs has that very ominous, yeah. foggy look to it as well. And Delvino shot that and was nominated, fixing nominated for that. Uh, all right. So I think that's going to definitely show up later on Lee's list. Uh, you're number three, JP. Nightmare Alley. We talked about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna hop in. That's actually my number two. Is Nightmare Alley. Okay. So. Uh, wow. and, right. and it goes back to everything we were saying. Just the overall design and vibe of that. So I'm on number three. You're on number three. So this is. I don't even know that I realize this, and it doesn't apply to all of mine. It's certainly, obviously, not um, Tragedy of Macbeth. But my number three is Ruben Impens. For Titan, mm. oh, interesting. Um, and another example of of like beautiful use of color in right. this movie, which both of my picks, uh, my other two picks so far, have 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 focused on that. But you know, tons of different uses of color in this movie. Also, there's like that really really cool tracking shot, one or at the beginning that I loved. Obviously, like anytime stuff is lit on fire, like it looks awesome, and that's also you have that in, in Nightmare Alley too. But there's some great scenes of that here when she. Uh, Burns her father alive. Um, Beautiful. Which, what, what scene is that? It's at the beginning, after she, before she goes on the run, she like lights the her father's There's, house, so on, locks the door, and lights the house on that's fire. That's a theme of that. Nightmare Alley, the same thing happens. Yep. Killing fathers. So I totally forgot about fire. that scene. So, um, Titan is stuck with me, for sure. The cinematography is a I mean, part are, of it. That there is are just definitely incredible. images of that that is stuck and with me. Ruben Impens, while not nominated, shot... Um, Beautiful Boy, which you guys know is a huge favorite of mine a few years ago, 
And actually, thinking back, I thought that movie was really nicely shot too. Total looked totally different than than Titanic. But uh, and now Jeremy, uh, number my, three. So my number three is Greg Frazier for Dune. For Dune, that's my number two. So so um, man, everything about that movie was just so epic. I mean, it was one of the first movies. It it was the second movie back in the theater that I saw um, since the pandemic uh, after the Bond film, and. It was, uh, it, it reminded me just how good it is to go to theaters mm-hmm. to watch movies. And it has a lot to do with the scope um, and, and the look of that film. And introducing, like, the, the working with the visual effects, but what I took away that I don't think it's focused on enough, and, and cinematographers aren't credited enough with it, directors too, is a movie of that scale and scope. You always know what you're supposed to be looking at. Like, there's all this stuff going on. There's these huge set pieces, uh-huh. tons of visual effects, and your eye is always drawn to the important point. part of the scene, which is so a essential for that movie. Mad Max, yeah. Fury Road. Uh, yeah, uh, so I, feel, I totally agree. Um, this movie was shot digitally, but then scanned. So they finished all the visual effects, edited everything, and then they scanned, the, they, they printed the digital print to, to film, wow. and then copied the film back to digital That's so interesting. it's got this it's very interesting it's not a process done in motion pictures a lot has it um, ever been done has that ever been uh, done? they do it on commercials i was gonna say for a movie that big too that's yeah it's insane. a big thing i mean they used to do it the other way right but um so yeah i think that's a uh, i think yeah you guys said it all it's just a, such a great beautiful movie and all right so and that's uh was your number two that's number his that's number two number so two. what's your number my two? number two is bruno del Bonel for tragedy of Macbeth, and we've been through that been there all right, and guys. My number two is uh, Dan Loston for Nightmare, Nightmare Alley. Alley. And so we're on to our number, number one. Guys, we're about to get our first award, and I think it's all going to come down to what we say right now. Well, you're gonna, yours is going to be Delvin out. No. No? Did you already say him? Nope. Wasn't on my list. Really? Yeah. Wow. We want to guess what it is? Nope. Um, I don't know I, what it is. I, I want it to be what mine is. So I want Mine you to say is it. Janusz Kaminski. Yes, for, that is uh, my number one West Side too. Story. That was the, the most beautiful movie I've seen in Again, in I just theaters. I just like could not yeah. believe I, how they moved the camera in that movie. They, you know, those two have a style that I love the most, I think in uh it, it's like kind of punk rock, right? Like they took this uh expensive visual effects movie in Minority Report and like just made it look like the the print had been dragged through the mud. Uh, they dialed that back, I feel like, to like 10% on this movie. So it's still there a little bit, but Jesus well, Christ, the I way mean, they move that camera. No argument. It looks amazing. Yeah. The cinematography is, well, but, it is the best part of that movie for me. And But for me, it was good enough to sort of like elevate the film to, to well, we'll see if it ends up making my list, but it, it really elevated. I like. I was. I remember being just like in awe of the look of the film while watching. Really it, well which shot, is great all, camera movement. All I can say. I mean, it was the one I walked out of. I'm like, well, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Well, it didn't make my list. Um, my number one is Greg Fraser for Dune. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be. And your number one is Janusz yeah. Kaminski. So, so we have a bet that if. Can I just say one more thing about Janusz? Sure. So I worked on a movie with him, and it kind of right? the judge, and it kind of goes to show like how much the collab between him and Spielberg is important. Because basically, the director of The Judge told him, I want it to look like Lincoln. You, you know, And oh, wow. Janusz is really... 
famous for very blown out wind. Like, like yeah. you could yeah. clearly see there's just spotlights. I said that on a scout yeah. today. I was like, can we just Janusz the yeah. windows? <laughs> but in The Judge, it is just so obvious and yeah. does not work and looks but. gross. But in West Side Story, I remember there's one scene in particular. They were in the, the uh, police station and they were... Um, there was a scene in there, and it was the same thing, but it just was beautiful, and yep. it really has to do with their collaboration. It looks great. This is the the fight over the gun on the bridge is my favorite scene in that movie, and, and it's shot so well, and the way the camera moves, and, oh yeah, like it just looks it looks amazing. Um, so I think Greg nope. Fraser is going to get this. So we have a we do have a bet in place where if a winner isn't on somebody's list. So should Janusz Kaminski win, not on my list, I have to buy shots for the three of us. Oh, is that per category? I think per, I think, well, yeah. if at any yeah. point in the Great. fixies. Oh, I mean, I know we're not drinking a lot on this trip, so. Right. <laughs> All right, so. The winner is. He might have some sample slides for us. Oh, the stars are out. <laughs> Next. All right, so we're going through the slideshow here. Excited to see who will bring home the coveted fixie awards. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Can't be that big a star. Palmer and Associates have been hard at work, pulled out the big guns to get accurate calculations, <laughs> and they've sacrificed time with their families to get everything right. So without further ado, on to the show. Part one. And Best cinematography. All right, here we go. The winner is... Greg oh, Frazier won. 18 yep. points. Dan Lawson and Janusz Kaminski both 14 points Tied. Each. So Greg <laughs> Frazier, fixie winner for... For Dune, how do you well, guys feel about that? Dune sweeping the technical awards at the Fixies, yeah. I hope is uh, <laughs> yeah. will be. I like how that's the sweet. I mean, I feel okay, but I just obviously you guys very, wanted Kaminsky, I, but yeah, was very excited about Kaminsky's work in this in this film. So, hey guys, I think The Green Knight and the Tragedy at Macbeth are both great, but I'm really disappointed that The Green Knight wasn't nominated for anything, and the Tragedy at Macbeth was nominated in several categories. I thought The Green Knight was very visually engaging, and Dev Patel is as compelling as Denzel Washington is in Macbeth, if not more so. And I think films like The Green Knight being overlooked for nominations is part of a larger problem. How are people supposed to care about award shows when movies are nominated and when because of the politics behind the scenes? I don't respect award shows, and I find it difficult to engage with all the Oscar buzz because I don't trust the process. I have no reason to believe that the best film is going to win Best Picture, and the fifth best film will even be nominated. So if you haven't talked about it on the show, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Thanks. All right. Um, I'm excited about this category, guys, um, because I cool. think... Well, okay, so... Can I just real quick? This was the category I had the most Me too. trouble with. Me too. I could barely fill it. So it was sort of my most... 0.03. All right. So we're low, but that's okay. It's a, sort of my point. That was my most pathetic category. I don't category. think I should drive right now. So um, something I'm hoping for in these fixies, which we don't, I don't think we really got in that last category, is, is some parity. Yep. Is that the right word for it? We want some differences on our list. Um, and I think we might have some, something here with supporting actors, so I'm excited about it. Was um, there enough? There was was there enough nominees to have differences? I oh, I could absolutely. barely pull together five for this. Well, I I I kind of had my five pretty set in stone, um, and I have a handful of I actually have a lot of honorable mentions that weren't any really necessarily realistic. Okay, let's chances. get on with it. All right, my yeah. number five, Vincent Lindone from Titan. Oh, that's actually a good one. I wish um, I had thought of that one. Really strange character, but really interesting. I think like 
those moments where I, I think in particular, I don't like to give out awards based on a scene, but I do have some examples throughout the fixies of that. that when he's identifying his quote unquote son, does he know it's not him? Maybe right. he does. Maybe he doesn't. And the the lack of clarity there is important and all in the performance. It, it's so good. And it goes throughout. And then like this later on, he just says, I don't care who you are. You'll always be my son. Uh, it's just such a f- strange, interesting movie with a strange, interesting performance that's really, really well executed. And, you know, you have to give some ac- actors some credit when they're working with like unusual material and can ground it to make it work. And I thought he was fantastic. That's actually a really good pick, and um, probably should have been on my list. But that being said, Lee's gonna hate this pick. This is where it's gonna get uh, contentious. From West Side Story, long. Oh no, five. you're gonna hate. You're gonna hate mine at five and four. Then okay, this is even worse than that. But I loved this performance. I thought it was weird and funny oh, and, and and unique. It was fine. And it's uh, Mark Rylance from Don't Look that's Up. That's also my number five. Yeah. See, that's a throw on for you guys. It's... No, not really. I really enjoyed that. His decisions, like you could see him making those decisions, sure. and it's, that was it's, interesting it's to good. me. I, look, I, I know said, you called it like cartoonish, but I thought it was really. I think everybody it, was good in that movie. Everybody was good. Fine, it but really it, none of them were. Work. To me, nothing. I, I think the worthy. the thing about I think what you what you might not like, and sometimes what I criticize about those movies, those Adam McKay movies, is that they're a little bit like a pastiche of stuff. Like it's kind of like we're gonna throw all these things at it, and everybody in that in that movie, I feel like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Leo, um, even Meryl Streep, and definitely Jonah Hill are like kind of used to that Apatow, uh, yeah style of like improvising and stuff like that but he comes in and he's like in a different movie which you could criticize but it's like it's so weird it's that like it kind of stops and you gets your yeah. attention and Look, I, I, lo- I love mark rylance and he's good in this movie i i thought the decision was strange i thought i you know i don't I, this movie didn't entirely work for me but i i like i'm not it's your number five you know fine not okay. gonna win so <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's gonna be your number one could we, we convinced you. Um, all right, all right. Am I up with number, number four? four? Yep. My number four is Farak Norbach from A Hero. Oh, that's one we haven't seen. Now, did you guys not see A Hero? I watched half of it. Um, did you see A Hero? I don't, I don't think so. Who is he um, in that? Yeah, you did. Did I? Which one? Yeah, was that? it was the, the Iranian, uh, Arabian, Iranian. But the guy, yeah, he's trying to pay back the pay back loan. His debt. Clearly, didn't make an impression oh, on you. Oh my God! Yes, I did. Yeah, didn't love that movie. Oh, okay. Well, who, who is he in that? Um, so he plays. He's the guy that works at the prison. His uh, name is Salihai, and he's sort of the guy that's kind of helping out mm. with him at the prison. That movie super empathetic. Like a, a short film. That... Really, like he had that kind of guy that's good at his job thing, which we love. I liked that. I just thought he was genuine. He was empathetic. I just, I don't know. It stood out. It was, it was a performance that I was watching. And I was like, this guy's really good. It doesn't seem like the thing that would be like, oh, this guy in this movie. He's not going to get any other award you know, accolades, but that's what the fixies are all about. I saw him. He was an important part of the movie and I thought he was great. All right. It's my number four. Um, all right. So this is the one Lee's going to hate even more. It is David Alvarez from uh, West Side Story. Oh, that wasn't plays, even the one I he thought. He plays Bernardo. Mike, Mike Feist was the one that's getting all the, oh, no. I thought he was terrible. Uh, I thought Bernardo, he was good. The guy but, from playing Bernardo was Yeah, fun. I really liked him. I mean, I thought that's, that, that movie is, <laughs> it's a difficult role to pull off. All of those guys. Um, and, uh, he, he sort of, other than some of the women, he stood out to me. 
thought a lot of the acting was bad in that movie. I he know. Was, you, I don't fine. understand how you thought it was bad. I thought it was. I mean, it is for I one, mean, for what West Side Story. The main is, character was horrible. I, I wouldn't say he's horrible, but he was. Oh, he was. I'll, I'll, he I'll, was uh, re- relatively forgettable. Yeah. Not good. Um. <laughs> he stood out as bad. He stood out as bad compared sure, to everybody, and everybody else. And I, I, I thought. Um, I, I okay. I think the performances were fine. Again, this is similar to your number five. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, this movie, I'm the only one in the world that didn't like West Side Story. I think a um, little ass-kissing going on for Spielberg about it, but. Oh, okay. What's my, mine? Number. Yeah. My number four is Rob Morgan in Don't Look Up. Um, oh, interesting. I, I really, yeah. I, I really gravitated toward him. I loved his energy. He was sort of the only, film. like, straight yeah, character. Yeah, straight character. And, uh, I liked him, too. I thought he was good. He's he's been in a couple things that we've watched recently. Like he's been in a couple big movies lately, right? Um, um, so he was in. Was he in last last Black Man in San Francisco? Uh, did he play? Did he, he might he play yeah, his, his father? father. I think he did. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, I like Rob Morgan. Yeah. I, yeah, I should know. I should remember what else he's been in. But yeah, he's kind of coming coming on now. I just thought his energy was just so funny. I don't know. I mean, it's just. Like again, I mean, I, it's like a reasonable person in the room in that movie. I think like, you, you felt can, good when he was there. I think you can like you can either appreciate like these little again like if you put Rob Morgan and Mark Rylance in this like those two performances. I mean, they're back to back on my list, but also in the same movie. Like, what movie is this? But I don't know. I think it works. We'll see where it lands. But also another example of like who's nobody's in that star-studded movie. Nobody's saying Rob Morgan, and right. I like that we do. Um, my number three, we didn't talk about him at all on the podcast for this movie, and he's so good in it. Ed Harris in The Lost Dog. Yeah, you know, I was going to consider. I'm glad that's really glad that's on. So that good. List. Now, I think for whatever reason, I think about old older Ed Harris as kind of like a cocky asshole, and I that's coming I think, from I think like he is a cocky twenty year old movies like Gone Baby Gone, uh, History of Violence, like those movies, like his character, and that that's what I think of Ed Harris. Obviously, Gene Kranz. I know Jeremy thinks Gene Kranz was. Could have come out of that. Yeah, movie. <laughs> it didn't need didn't need to be there. Um, the, the oxygen tank probably wouldn't have exploded if Kranz wasn't the flight director. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's like so shy and awkward in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he has these moments where he's with with uh, with Olivia Coleman, where he's just like, "Oh, I'd kind of like something to happen, but I'm not gonna overstep." Like it's just such a like understated, unique, quiet performance. I thought it, I thought he was so good. I love his little awkward smile. He like comes over with fresh octopus, like yeah, like just no game. But yep. like, I, I mean, I love I love Head Harris and pretty much everything. So I'm really glad to see him on this list. Is it my turn? Uh, it's Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy. No. So this one here is for uh, Chapin. It is uh, Troy Kocher for Coda. Coda. He Let's plays the father. Yep. Um, not a, not a face you normally see in Hollywood films. Yep. And I like that about it. Um, he seemed like a person that works on the boats in Gloucester. Yep. And um, obviously there was, a lot of it was played for, not played for last, but it was, you know, a little bit, just his personality was sort of over the top yeah. in a way uh, that could have been, I think, squeamish a little bit uh, because he was also deaf, um, but he pulled it off really well. And He was good, really good in it. Do you think he was good in it, Chapin? I liked him. I mean, I know well, you. You don't. You didn't like Coda. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll. Maybe we'll get into that later. Moving on. Um, <laughs> on. Not, not too much. 
plenty right. of t- plenty of time for more Coda talk later. Yeah. So what's your number? Was that not your number three then? That was not. Uh, mine was Scott, uh, Cody Smith McPhee for the Power of the Dog. Um, I think I know a lot of talk has been made of Benedict Cumberbatch's character's transformation and the secrets he's hiding, but I think this movie is really about this kid who we first see as being incredibly awkward, incredible, like a little bit effeminate in the mm-hmm. wild, wild west, and then by the end of it, he is a, um, you know, a devious murderer, and I loved that. And uh, um, I mean, he got an Oscar nomination, right? Yeah, he's yeah. probably going to win. Yeah, he's, um, he's probably going to win. So I, I, I liked him a lot. Um, you know, I, 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 his performance is sort of uh, indicative of like how I kind of felt about this movie. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy watching him. This yeah. whole movie kind of made me yeah, cringe. This movie but. hasn't really sat well with me. Like, I just, no. like, I haven't... I haven't been let's, excited let's to think about, about it. it later. Yeah. I don't think we don't talk about it. Well, if it hasn't sat well with any of us, including me, and we might not talk about it later. We may not be able to talk about it we'll later, see. but um, well, we'll see. Uh, all right, Lee. Uh, my number two, obviously, the latest addition to the list is Anders Danielson Lee, the worst person in the world. Um, I nominated him a couple years ago for Twenty Two July, where he plays an entirely oh, different character, and he plays um, one he plays Rascal. And, and and in the and he plays the shooter in the movie in the in twenty two July yeah so again another example of why, no, like of of you know a nominee where I'm going to point out a couple scenes that did it one is the breakup scene in this movie yeah and then the scene at the end at the hospital outside the hospital gutting amazing acting um just you know his his emotion his range of emotion I think is is fantastic I like him as an actor a lot I also saw him in uh, Bergman Island. This year, which you know, he was I fine. Saw I saw that too. Um, yep. Right, but just incredible performance. Incredible performance. All right, my number two is one of my favorite performances of the year. This one I just enjoyed every time he was on screen, and it's Ben Affleck. Um, Last duel. Last duel. Yeah. yeah. The scene. So it's so funny, and I forget exactly what he's talking to Adam Driver about, but he's super drunk. And then as he's walking out, he knocks something over, and he's just like, sorry. Yeah, he was just... <laughs> so was, good. Not he wasn't playing a good person. He wasn't yeah. really playing a, a, a integral character. He yeah. was just so fun. It doesn't every, take his very important job seriously. No, and he, he probably didn't flex a lot of acting muscles, but it no. didn't matter. He was just fun to watch. And every time he was on screen, I'm like, oh, yes, another Ben Affleck. Scene. So good. So he, he would he would have been there... Anderson, Anders Danielson Lee slotting in pushed him, pushed them off my list. I think so. My number two is Vincent Linden. Yes, Titan. Beautiful. I love that. Um, all right, on to number ones. Um, my number one, um, Woody Norman. Come on, come on. The little boy in that movie. Incredible I don't, performance, I don't Jeremy. Think it was. Oh my I could ta- I could, god! I could see them cutting around him. No yeah. way! And I could so see them using his good. Uh, lack of experience into the movie, oh my which god, I think was so more wrong. of a credit to the editors and the directors. So wrong. Than his he was so good. Not that it totally matters, but he's British, so accent the whole movie. I did know that. Yeah. Incredible. So convincing. I. And look, maybe I'm bringing some things to it. In some ways, yes, it reminded me of... A beautiful boy. No, it reminded me of Miles America. a little bit. really reminded me of my nephew, Linus, who's around the same age as, as he is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I thought he was incredible. I thought he outacted Joaquin Phoenix in that uh, movie. Joaquin Phoenix, to me, is the one that looked like he was acting at times. And I love him. He's a great no, actor. I mean, he certainly but, was... Na- I don't think he's bad. He certainly was natural, but 
Um, I think they kind of used that. Well, well let's I, move on because I don't have anything to say. About well, you didn't get to see it. So in one on one in one sense, I'm glad Jeremy didn't like it, and it wasn't like his number one too, and you missed it. Yeah, that would be. But bad. my certainly my favorite supporting <clears throat> performance, uh, supporting actor performance of the year. All right, so uh, this was this was the category where there was a, a far and away winner for me. Yep. Somebody that absolutely blew me away, and all the other uh, nominees hmm. should be offended. I'm in, I'm intrigued. And it is uh, Anders Danielson. Oh, Lee, it is okay. Uh, awesome, the yeah. worst person in the world. I there. You you mentioned that scene on the picnic table. That was the by far the best act. Well, I, maybe I'm just saying that now. I'm yeah. kind of coming up with that, but like it may have been the best acted scene of the year. Wow. Um, I, he's just so good in this, and he's sort of playing like at first. I it was hard for me to like up until that point. He's just one of her like several boyfriends. Oh, and that's the end of the movie too. Yeah. One of her several boyfriends, and he, I, I thought he was good at the breakup scene. I'm like, yeah, but is it like enough? And I then, had a little bit of that feeling early in the movie because he'd been getting a lot of buzz for yeah. his performance. And I'm watching, and I was like, okay, he's good. Yeah. But then the breakup scene, and then that scene at the end. So that scene at the end also like sort of spoke to me as like somebody that was, I mean, that's a little younger than he is, but just that whole scene about nostalgia and walking into record stores and owning, owning yeah. that, and like. Um, and, and chasing after that, not because of not because of nostalgia, but sort of running from death. And yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Like it was just so well written, it was mm. so well acted, and and then he got you know, and some some people could be like that's sort of a, a scenery chewing scene. But he because, doesn't chew the scenery. He though. doesn't though. Then he does a great job because he is uh, you know in a position where he. You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but something really bad happened to him. He can be like, yeah, you, you know, he could obviously utilize that, and he does. But uh, man, I'm, I have to say, this is the closest this year to having that sort of Anthony Hopkins moment wow. where I was just like, oh my god. I um, yeah, I mean, the whole movie kind of pivots on his yeah. character, right? So. You know that like there's always that award scene that they play. Mm-hmm. And that, like, typically it's that scene chewing. I always think of Marriage Story, that argument in Marriage Story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson yeah, screaming yeah. at each other. And it's just, like, such an obvious example of acting. This is the scene for him, but it's not that. It's so understated. It's so authentic and within the movie and within the, the character. It's so good. Japen? Anders Danielson Lee. All right. All right. Well, person in the world. Is and there I anything you want to add to that? Far, far away the best performance out of, of this category maybe it should have been maybe the number one but i love woody norman and <clears throat> come on come on all right well i think we're gonna have our winner then yeah. by a, a significant wow. amount a landslide anders <laughs> danielson lee got 20 points uh vincent linden what? nine points and woody norman got himself on the board yep, third place with seven points <laughs> one nomination all right hey guys it's your girl sierra back with sierra seconds and uh, I'll just be honest, for 2021 Sierra, it was mostly a lot of binge-watching Netflix and reality shows that I'm sure you guys don't want to talk about, so I'll try to be brief. I'll have to say, my favorite movie for 2021 might have been Encanto. Nothing but great things to say about it. Great music, great new characters for the Disney tribe. Um, All around, I loved it. Two thumbs up. Derfinator approved. All right, the next co- category is Best Supporting Actress. It's the ladies' I turn. I forgot screenplay is in the, 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 the second half. 
No, it's the last. It's after oh, supporting it actress. Yeah. Um. So this one was the sort of uh, category that I had. Uh, I had a you know a, narrowing it down was it was difficult. Oh, interesting. For me. I I, I actually had a struggled here to get five. I think I, I think we all know the who's gonna win though. Oh, I don't. I don't think I do. Hmm. I don't think I'm I intrigued. Do. Yeah. I'm almost positive. I know. I hope where I hope we agree. Obviously. <laughs> Um, all right, Jeremy. So I'm up first. Um, so this was, this one sort of very narrowly beat out the other. I mean, this is one of those, what do I put at number five? It could have been one of two, three people. But uh, I thought the character she played was the most interesting. <laughs> Cut that. Bless you. Uh, and it was uh, Ruth Nega in Passing. Oh. Did you guys see that movie? Yeah. Not good. I did not. Who cares if she was good in it? I don't even know. I did not particularly like that movie. I didn't translate to film from a novel. I could see how it would be an interesting novel, yeah. um, but it just didn't work on film. Uh, it's about these black women that are trying to sort of pass as white, uh, which is almost, you know. Not sure how that works. How that works. But Supposedly she, it's a real thing. She does it and you can kind of get how and why she lives that world and lives that life and yeah. i think she's way better than uh who's that tessa thompson. tessa thompson who we all just think is not very good at acting yeah. we're waiting okay, really. we've been saying that for years and yeah. I, like every time we say that about somebody they eventually give a good performance and they get over the hill yeah, and hasn't like, happened uh, yet it has not happened with tessa thompson <laughs> um but uh yeah so my number five okay interesting yeah that was never ever gonna um, I think that ended up getting marked as not a priority on our spreadsheet, which basically means the other people don't need to see it. Um, I would but, agree with the movie in general, yeah. but not her performance. I didn't watch it because of that. All right, Chapin, you're up. Uh, Ana de Armas, No Time to Die. I know this is kind of a pulpy, poppy pick, but I thought... Yeah, she's like, not in it that much. She isn't, but she was just like a breath of fresh I mean, she's air a blast for it, an yeah. otherwise like kind of dull, shitty movie, and I wish the more, the movie was more like that. I love her... I, I, I can't wait for that fucking... I mean, I'll be admit it. I can't wait for that Ben Affleck movie with oh, them. Deep Water? Yeah. It's coming to Hulu next uh, month. I know. And uh, I just... I can't I, wait either. <laughs> I just I, I just think she's great. And, like, I, I feel like... I mean, I know I, I, none of us, like, knives out as much as, like, the rest of the world. But um, I'm I'm waiting for her to have her, like, big moment. Blonde, maybe? She was supposed to be in Blonde. I don't know if that... It doesn't sound like that's going to be good. That's I mean, I don't Maybe know. not, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's just has just like a wonderful energy you know i i wish she was a you know just a little bit easier on the eyes but um yeah that's yeah. just yeah pretty hard to look it, at yeah. it throws off the performance that's why yeah. she didn't make my list yeah um all right so my number five is is from a movie where this happens occasionally with the fixies um the wrong person is getting the supporting acting mm-hmm. credit mm-hmm. for this movie mm-hmm. um not that that person's bad but sanaya sydney and king richard should be getting way more credit for playing Venus Williams. See, um, yeah, I like her. Anjanu Ellis is getting a lot of credit for playing the mother. I, she's good in that, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Sanaya Sidney, I thought, had a more difficult role. It's a child actor, kind of parlaying the whole idea of pressure as mm-hmm. a child actor into that performance as a as a child athlete. Um, and I thought it worked great. It's not a movie that I think is great. Three for three on that for number five. So none of us really like the movie that. Our pick is in, but um, I thought Sinai Sidney was was the standout in this movie. I mean, Will Smith is obviously great. It's his movie, but she 
she stood out to me as someone I didn't know anything about. Obviously, much less much less experience than someone like Will Smith and Anjali Ellis. And yeah, I think this is a good performance. I wish I wish people were giving it a little bit more attention. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish the movie had warranted her performance. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, all right, here's uh, my number four, and this is my favorite performance in this movie. It's Ariana DeBose in West Side Story. Uh, she plays Anita. There's too many nominations for that movie. Uh, I I really liked her in it, and again, it's... it's she's going to win the Oscar, too. And, and I wouldn't be upset about that one. But she's going to win the Oscar because they want the same character to win the Oscar that won it 60 years ago. It's, but she's, she's, she's got this... Oscars don't matter. I don't know why I keep bringing them up. She's got this attitude that is hard to portray on film and um yeah I, i've already kind of said everything i was gonna Her say final about scene West Side is good yeah story yeah i mean it's hard to act it's hard to sing it's hard to dance and doing all those things together and i would like, add a moat yeah and, and we don't value those things i think it's as part much. of a performance yeah, yeah as much. and to. so People like to separate them and say, like, well, what about the acting? Well, the singing and the dancing, it was all part of the performance. And to me, that movie, I, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but to me that, maybe, but I think what that movie did so well was just those things, like, to me, those sequences in musicals always feel like, now's the sequence for musicals. It just, everything felt so seamless, and I think a lot of that credit goes to the actors, and she's a good example of that. But I thought everybody was pretty good in that movie, um, but nobody really stood out for me, so. Yeah, it... it like to your point, Jabin, there it just felt like they must have like kept those actors in like one room for months beforehand because you could just feel like they lived in the yeah. same world and it was just one scene bled to another and it wasn't like they were because it's West Side Story and it's still difficult for me with this new version is like the singing and the dancing. It's tough because it's like combining this sort of gritty world with this ridiculous song and dance right. and blending that is 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 tough but i think these actors did a great job with that my turn yep kirsten dunce power of the dog again i didn't enjoy anything about this movie um but it's clearly a good performance she's getting i've always liked kirsten dunce always 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 um, I think she may. I may have nominated her for Melancholia in 2011. Yeah, uh, I think I, she did have a nomination. For um, I can double check. But. And I, I, I think she's great. Like she's sort of come around more to more dramatic roles in this last decade, and I think she's. Yep. Yeah. Dunn's Melancholia. Yeah. I think she's excellent. Um, it's, it's. I feel like it's a little bit of a thankless role. Um, for sure, it's not the flashy one, yeah. but it's the most difficult one by yeah. far. I mean, she basically has to balance all this. Two types of performances, too. She has this very like competent, well-put-together, even if it's like she's forcing herself to be that way when she's running this B&B. And Air, Airbnb. I almost called it an Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> and That'd then, be a great Airbnb. You get a meal. Yeah. You, can, you can treat people however you want. And then she, get, then she starts drinking and just totally flips. And I think it's, it's an undeniably good performance. I'm with you, Chapin. Like, I... A lot about that movie that I didn't enjoy, so it's hard for me to give credit where credit is due, but it's due there. My number two, four. What am I on? I should blow. I really should. Uh, (laughs) I'm on four. four, I'm on four. Katrina Belf in Belfast. Uh, This was the performance that stood out in this movie for me. Is that the mother? Yeah, I think Kieran Hines is good. Um, I actually think the Jude Hill, I think maybe is his name, is the boy, and I think he's pretty Mm -hmm. good. Um, Jamie Dornan is good, but uh, Katrina Belf, I think, really just was the most natural. Um, I think she had the most energy. I think 
her her big emotional scenes were the most earned. The scene on the bus uh, yes. with her husband was really really moving, and you know this movie I think was better second time around for me. I liked it the first time. It was you know, but it wasn't it wasn't a favorite of the year for me at all. But I really liked her the first time I saw it, and it was reaffirmed when I when I revisited Nothing it. Nothing about that movie worked for me. Really, not, she's not, an honorable mention. Not one thing work about them and i watched half of it and i was like this isn't gonna this isn't a, I, I well the second half might have worked for you then maybe <laughs> all right it really turns it around yeah <laughs> katrina uh, belf is great in it. so my number three and it's not the performance well maybe it is now but it's it's not the star-studded perform or the the starring performance of this movie that you know people i think talked about initially and it's uh jesse buckley in the lost daughter i think she's mm. so mm. good in this movie. She is so good in this movie. Okay, I feel like uh, that's going to come up again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I've always liked her. I, like, uh, what was the movie, the, the Charlie Kaufman movie she was in? Um, uh, thinking year. of Ending Things. Yeah. yeah, I nominated her for it. Uh, I, she was, again, probably the best part of that movie. Sure. Um, and she's, get, she's been getting a lot of buzz lately as far as just, like, an up-and-comer. But I think this this far and away was her best performance. Yeah, I think, really impressive the way she sort of navigated. Like, I mean, it's such a tough thing, obviously, to play this character that's simul- simultaneously unsympathetic yeah, and not sympathetic. Like a, not a good person. Yeah. No. But you feel but her, you understand yeah. you feel her to pain. A, to she, an all she wants is like 10 minutes to masturbate. Yeah. Like she's being crushed. We've all been there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, not 10 minutes, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, um, yes, I mean, she, I, I, I said this in the podcast, that, that the, usually flashbacks don't work for me. Yeah. I want to get back to the regular story, but I love the flashbacks in this movie. I wanted to live in the flashbacks, and I think most of that is credit to her, um, her performance. So, yeah, absolutely. Your number three? Park You Rim for Drive My Car. She plays, the driver? She plays the, de- uh, the mute woman. Oh, okay, yeah, really yeah. good. Oh, wow. I loved her in this movie. She just, I mean, like in that in this movie where you don't know anybody, right? Yeah. You don't know any She's of the actors. She's immediately likable. And there's yeah. like, there's people who are speaking all these different languages. She just like popped for me. Yep. Um, I thought she was, I thought her audition was amazing. Like, I mean, that's something yeah. that, that, you know, is unique about this movie. They have to audition for Uncle Vanya and we see the auditions, and they have to play these parts, and she was great. Like yeah. you understand why they cast, cast her. her. Yeah. And she's, um, I just, she, she just signs blew me her away. performance. Two, yeah. two nominees now that signed their, yep. uh, their performances. Um, that's great. That's a great pick. So my number three. I know you guys didn't see this movie. Um, it's Anne Dowd in Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a really small movie. It's it's basically. I'm pretty much entirely said in one room. He, he just wanted to put that on the list to make us feel better yeah. for not watching. No, not at all. Four characters, uh, two sets of parents discussing a uh, school shooting. One of one set of the parents... Uh, what, child what side was, are they on? Child was Pro killed. or against? <laughs> the other two parents are the parents of the shooter, um, who then committed suicide. And Dowd plays the mother of the shooter. Oh, that's going to be tough. Um, you know, she's a very prolific character actor. I looked, she has 107 credits. And I was thinking, I was like, it kind of takes that type of actor to do this role because you don't need somebody who's like going to go research the role. Like you just need somebody who can embody this character, get in that headspace, which has got to be impossible to try to get yourself in a headspace of the parent of somebody who is a school shooter. And she is really, really good in this movie. Mm. Uh, Jason Isaacs is also really good, but 
Um, and I don't know. I mean, this is a supporting role, I guess. I mean, it's just the four characters. I don't really know how you define it, but right. she's she's really really good in it. And I I think you know this movie is it's small. It's just the, the it's really just acting, and the acting was good. So that's there my number go. three. Uh, all right. So uh, my number two is also uh, from Drive My Car, but it is the driver. Here we go, Toko Miura. I think he did pretty good. I think he did a good yeah, job. I'm not even going to drink. We don't even have anything left to drink. I have to order some um, We'll get another bottle. So this was oh. my standout performance of this movie. This was uh, the one I considered. Really? really? Yeah. That's interesting, because I, I thought she brought it home at the end. but I think that's what's that That was so important, though. Yeah. That was the thing. When they're going to her house her that had been... Uh, there was a what is it called? A, not a flood, but a uh, yeah mudslide, mudslide yeah. over her house, and they went there. I thought she outacted our main character. I don't think he pulled that scene off. I thought that was his weakest moment. For and sure, I'm yeah. like, and or else he would have been much higher on my list. But um, I kind of wish I thought of your pick, Chapin. I think that's. I thought no, I thought I about this. She was no, she, so, so good. I did think about this. And, and the way they were list, able to but... share information, she was a very quiet person and like reserved. And you like finally figure out why. And she never. There's never this mo- really this moment where she like super opens up but he they just over time over this sort of long road trip of a movie get to know each other is it my turn your number two is that right oh that was my number yeah, so two. Yeah. number two Catherine hunter macbeth ah, i really thought about doing this uh, yeah. she plays the witch yeah. i loved her really good it was the one standout <laughs> thing to me i was like oh my god this is gonna be amazing she's like so weird and yeah. so like her body, her, body and her voice and the, what she's doing with her voice. And that's usually three, three witches, but she, I think she plays, plays all of them. All. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so strange. And I just, I loved her in this. Yeah, it was I just about it. the one thing that stood out to me in that movie. And she was great. Um, you know, so it's Kirsten Dunst, power of the dogs, my number two. I don't know that I've ever been less excited about a number two, yeah. but like, she's so good in it, but I, I want to interrupt. That's my number one. I thought she was so good. She is. I, she like absolutely stole I just, that not, movie. It just doesn't excite and that me. Was such oh a, like, I don't know what's gonna win now. Yeah, no, I, I was know. so heartbroken yeah. by her like uh, performance, like her need. Like everyone's talking about Cumberbatch and like, oh, you know, it must have been real hard to pretend you weren't gay back in the old west. And I feel like we've seen that, but right. to pretend that you're yeah, broke back. That movie, yeah. <laughs> a really famous movie but about to, being gay in the old west. But honestly, to be a woman in in that time and to put up with all that stuff or to try to and then eventually sort of fail at it but still try to give a fight like in her alcoholism yeah. and, and what she was trying. I, I was blown. She was just really She's, good. All right. Everything you said is true. Yeah. This, this does Nothing about this movie excites me. No, so I, not, I agree. This I'm is not the excited. movie that's She's, most likely to win She's my number. She's my number two. She's on Chavin's list. She might win. Best picture at the Oscars and we're all like, oh, that movie. I know. That's, and that's part of the reason that this well, year to me is disappointing, but okay. Yep. Okay. Chapin, your number one. Jesse Buckley. Runaway. Maybe the biggest runaway in Fixie history for me is Jesse oh Buckley God, at number one. Wow, really? I think I mean, nobody on my list comes even close to her in this. So I don't know about this. No. Oh, I, it's going to be if it's, it's going to be Buckley or Dunce. Yeah, but there's two. But Dunce is my number two. So, so let's see. Jesse, Jesse Buckley. Buckley by two, two points. She beat Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog. Wow. Yes, that is love that amazing. Well, I'm glad I'm I'm happy she won. I'm yeah. happy she won. I've seen Dune at least six times in the theater. That's Titanic level fandom, but I'm not embarrassed. The movie's incredible. The filmmakers took an unfilmable book and managed to make a deeply relevant and beautiful movie. 
Also, the author was inspired to write the book during his time working at the Oregon coast, uh, which makes me more of a fan. Mild spoilers for the next movie, that work had consequences that continue to negatively affect the environment and community decades later. Uh, but just because I've seen Dune six times doesn't make it the best movie of the year. That honor goes unambiguously to West Side Story. The original is a classic, and I can understand why people would be worried about the update. But Spielberg managed to update it in a way that revealed new depths to the story. Sending it in a neighborhood undergoing forced urban renewal makes it clear that the sharks and jets are killing each other for something neither of them will ever actually own. I honestly don't understand what the Oscars are for if they go to a grubby little Netflix movie over this filmmaking accomplishment. The singing, choreography, and staging were incredible. The whole thing was just an amazing, amazing movie. I cried tears of sadness and joy. If you haven't seen it, go watch it right now. Uh, all right. Uh, we're starting now. We're back to Japen, number five. Yeah, so mine is Power of the Dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that piece of shit. Look, like, this is a pretty... I mean, look, it's based on a book, um, but I think... I think it's a... I, I didn't talk... I've talked about more about this movie than with anybody else. Than any other movie this year, um, in with, like a, a, with other people, in an argument way, or no, just, just like people were asking up. me about it and and wanted yeah. to know, you know, my brilliant opinion about it. And I said, listen to the podcast, and I said, what podcast? And, uh, <laughs> I typed it in. I just kept scrolling, yeah. and I couldn't find it. Um, no, but I, I I think it's a really interesting idea. I think it's very well constructed. Um, I mean, what I, the sort of the problem I had with it at first was like you know not knowing what to expect, but. I think that that ultimately works for the movie. Um, I would imagine this was a hard book to adapt, um, especially for, I mean, I don't mean to say like women don't understand the experience, but like you can understand why Jane Campion would maybe want to write a, uh, a movie from the perspective of Kirsten Dunst's character. But this is, this is not about that. This is really about two men in the West in America. And she is a, you know, female Kiwi filmmaker. And I think, she did an excellent, excellent job writing this. I think she wrote it with somebody else, but um, we should, we should. Uh, yeah, I mean, this movie is important, and I feel like we're gonna revisit it hopefully at some point, and it's gonna, it's gonna. Um, I mean, that's the thing is like this is a no, this is an ev- an evocative. Thomas movie. Savage, he wrote the book, I guess. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it takes a real, a real genius to write something like this like to understand an experience like that um, i just wish she put something interesting yeah it's in just it. like it, it's it making more entertaining and just like it's just not, yeah, no, no, the movie just isn't enjoyable yeah and because i don't know if that's indicative of her other work i really liked her um top of the lake i hated the way it ended the piano is similar is like, it like it's, it's okay. not like there's not a hook like it's just mm. about like these these characters and yeah. like what they're going through and like so much is unspoken and you've got to uncover it, and it's very nuanced and very thought-provoking, but it's just not entertaining. Like, right. it's just missing a hook, and the same applies here, and it's too bad, because I think you're right that that this... I don't know that I'd enjoy this book, but I can tell it was a good book. Like, mm. these are, there's so many interesting themes, there's so many interesting characters. It just doesn't play out in, a, in, a, in an enjoyable way. But. but I do want to say, like, we've talked about this before, and I think you and I talked about this more extensively, but, like, um, about, you know... Is it a, in this in this like post Me Too era and the post sort of like post like you know racist or you know this like racial awakening like is it okay for you know wh- where where does where can you draw the line in terms of telling other people's stories and we I think we agreed that we love that about movies that 
um, you know, this is a, a platform for people to tell everybody's story, and it's a it's a bringing together of people and not a dividing of people. That's what good movies do, um, both in the making of them and the experiencing of them. And uh, you know, it's usually white men, you know, telling you know people of color stories, and I you know I can understand why people wouldn't like that, especially when there's not a lot of opportunities. But I do think like a straight woman telling the story about two you know, gay men in the West and doing an excellent job at it is an incredible feat. And to me, what filmmaking is all about. Well said. My number five is Askar Farhadi for a hero. Uh, not, not, uh, I'm, I'm surprised you guys didn't like this movie. I mean, and Jeremy, you too, I because really didn't. structure is, the, I mean, you don't even remember you saw this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. And all I remember is like this, where like, this was definitely a short film, like oh, a good man. short film from the, that just somehow got, Stretched out way the, too far. The simpli- so the, the 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 great Walter Sobchak line: "The beauty in this is in its simplicity." Yeah, like this it is was just, definitely like, it is, but it's so nuanced. They pull the nuance out of the simplicity. Like they take all these different perspectives and like it shows you first how like something can snowball out of control, but it also says like what what's the difference between doing something right and not doing something wrong? And I think that that's just a brilliant start. And they just bring in all these different viewpoints and perspectives into this movie in such a simple way. But it works. It's fascinating. I just love how this movie works and plays out. I think it's, it's, I think it's a really smart screenplay. It's really well structured. I, 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 I'm surprised you guys did not like this movie. I, I thought it was really, really good. All right. Uh, my number five is uh, second nomination tonight, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Um, it's not my favorite PTA movie, but he's gotten, unfortunately, to the point where he's so good and he does such good work that you compare him against himself and not against his fair. peers, and it's not really fair. Um, but it is such a, uh innovative and different look at a world that we never would have experienced in a time and a place that we never would have experienced. Um, and it, you could clearly tell it's something very personal from his own childhood, you know, whether anything really happened, the, the mise-en-scene of it felt like it came from his my, mind. So my only complaint <clears throat> that I would maybe want you to answer now yeah. is that movie just felt too sprawling, too unfocused. And I don't think we're ever going to expect something that's efficient for PTA. But that movie just, it just wasn't, it was just all over the place. I and, agree, but there's oh, still... I don't the, think so at all. I know, I, I think it was, un, I think it was sprawling and a little unfocused, but the ride was fun. It was fun. I agree and with I that. Think I think I would give that important. direction. So of. I think what's amazing about this is it's almost like vignette-like. It's this moment, it's this moment. And you could, if you want to call that unfocused, I guess fine, but that didn't register that way to me at all. And also, I think a lot of people might say Tarantino gets this, but I think nobody writes characters better than Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Think about I, all I the characters we talk about of his. Oh, Daniel yeah. Plainview, uh, uh, Freddie Quell, like, oh, whoever. Um, yeah. Dirk Diggler. Like, and I think the two in this movie are going to, are joining that club. Like, yeah. And they're going to remember not, them forever and it's yeah. not about the I'm story around forget it. You. You're not going to forget me. He, he's such a good writer. You're that's right. A, we compare a, him against himself. Bad now, a little bit. He's, he's such a good writer he, and he can, he finds something unique and unusual to infuse into these characters that when you're watching the movie feels so right and so natural and you just want to spend... And I think this movie, maybe more than any of his other movies, you want to spend more time with these characters in this place. Yeah, and that's just, a great point. That's a great uh, it's point. It's delightful. Than, than I did. Yeah. All right, well, good work. My number four? Uh, My turn? Wait, no, no, you're number four. 
Right. Uh, was that your pick, Jeremy? <clears throat> yeah, that was yeah. mine. So you're number four. Don't look up. Um, really, just a, a, a fantastic idea. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little obvious, but I think again, I think that's to well, the movie's let's not, credit. Let's not argue the obvious part of it or not yeah. at this point. We've done that to death, I think. I mean, this is one of those weird ones where I got to read the screenplay first, and right, I, I, that, yeah. I loved it, and I thought it absolutely. Anyhow, go ahead. No, no, no. That's You're that's number four. that's exactly what I was going to say. It was just. Uh, it's very. I think it's very funny. I think it's very topical and it's just super um, clever. It's very clever and that's the piece. I don't think it is. I don't think it's clever. We know. Well, this is what we're here for. <laughs> well, I mean, we've already had a whole podcast I, and, where we and, literally and, said the same was, thing. Uh, over. Yeah, we did, and I was trying to explain this to a friend of mine who hated it. Um, but like, yeah, I, yeah me. <laughs> I, I, no, not you. I, I don't. I don't think. This. Uh, I. I think I haven't seen any of the footage of it, but I think Adam McKay might be doing a press tour where he's kind of like you know being arrogant or something but i don't think this movie is trying to say i'm smarter than you i think it's dumbed down i think the fact that it's by the guy who made anchorman which i don't think is smart comedy is to this movie's credits can i believe you just said that we just uh, lost all do, our is listeners. that like an argument that people think it's like pre- it, yeah it's yeah, preaching to them people or think like it's pretentious and like you know oh, oh like, you don't know don't exactly i think it's dumbed down and it's dumbed down oh, for a reason and that's yeah. part of it and like and in in the essence of Leo's character, who is this, you know, who is essentially the hero of the movie as well as Jennifer Lawrence, they're all they bo- they both get into these as I said on the podcast, both get into these like little like little <laughs> spats and and you know the, even they kind of are need things dumbed down and and I think the movie does that too. So it's I think it's very clever and um, yeah yeah. Well, more to say about that one. All right, my number four is Mike Mills for Come On Come On. Um, just again, nicely structured story. I love the cinema verite aspect of it. I thought that was really clever and worked really nicely with the story. I like uh, I like how this movie, similar to something that Drive My Car does, where it takes uh, other material. In this case, it's like children's books and and you know books about motherhood and things like that, and and uses the the text from that to kind of emphasize the points the movie's trying to make. I like when that can work. It's it's a risky choice to make because you can you can lose your audience because you start thinking about the, the, <laughs> the text that you're trying to compare to. Um, but I think this movie was really, really well written. Um, I think this is my last nomination for this movie, which I think seems like you guys would be happy to hear, but <laughs> I thought the script was really good. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, the script didn't stand out to me. It was, it, it kind of felt like it, it felt a little novelish, which it's, you know, yeah. fine. Um, I, I think the only structure really to it w- is the fact that they're doing this NPR type yeah. radio. And we're all over the place on this uh, um, category. Yeah. Everybody's getting, we're getting a little mad at each other. <laughs> so basically that was a terrible pick. Okay. okay. All right. My number, number four. four. Oh, get ready to drink, guys, because uh, oh, Wacom Trier and Eskelvacht. Oh, you got the second one. Uh, for, Joaquin Trier. There we go. Uh the worst person in the world. I think it's why well, he got it right. I think it's, no, it's Joakim. It's Joakim. Joakim Trier and Eskil vote. So I already talked about just like how well written the dialogue was, especially for a movie that really deals with like some of life's biggest sort of for issues sure. um, between breakups, uh, pregnancy, cancer, death fathers coming of age yeah like like all this stuff and and like jobs yeah to do that without it career without with it 
still feeling natural and real and have those emotions and those discussions and be able to talk about it. And they do a good job of talking about it within like art itself and her mm-hmm. writings and his. I love that scene where he's arguing with the two women about his old comics because they yeah. found him offensive. Yeah. And like he's just lit- he's, he's literally trying to make the correct point. So I guess it depends on who, which yeah. side of that argument you're on. Uh, you can see it. But it's well written. But because, it's written in such a perfect way yeah. where you can see why he gets vilified for yeah. his opinions because, you know. But he also, he doesn't handle it well. Like, and you yeah, see that too. Then. Yeah, exactly. And he also gets offended and they're like, I don't know. I think like, I almost am talking myself into wishing I'd put this higher on my list. It's just very rarely... Um, does the dialogue to me just scream worth, worth the screenplay that's itself? That's so interesting because I think it's a structural marvel. Oh, also the chapters stru- work great. Yeah, so it is. It is done in chapters and structurally, it is really good. But just like you think, you think you're watching. Like I was like, oh, this is like this is kind of like high fidelity, but for women. And then when you have the um, uh, Anders Danielson Lee uh, moment come in, which we won't spoil, it just. It takes a turn, but it all just feels very natural. Yeah, yeah. Chapters but, work, but as here's a, as a whole, but also you could like those chapters almost individually it, are like little short stories. Yeah, but this is almost why I didn't mention that is because once you start putting chapters, the structure almost becomes so blatant to your right. audience. You are literally book. That's not what I was like referring to. I really just felt like the art. I mean, I, I kind of the story arc's great. I yeah. appreciate the chapters, I guess, but that it was that wasn't really what I was thinking of. Okay, is it my turn? Uh, yep. Drive my car, number three. Um, yeah, you know, like, I, I think this movie was... Do you want to try to uh, say nope, who... Nope, nope, I'm not going to do that. Um, no, Raisuke Hamaguchi. Okay. And uh, so I think this movie... Uh, I think Drive My Car is a little bit overwritten. It's a little bit... The dialogue is a little... There's a lot of dialogue. And there's yeah. a lot of explaining things through dialogue. And, you know, I, I think that, that becomes especially acute when it's a foreign film and people are, um, you know, talking and subtitling, you reading up, it, yeah. right? Um, but... I thought this just like I just think this is such an innovative idea, and I love in movies when you read the the log line like uh, of a movie, and you're like, "How is this going to be a movie? How's it going to be interesting? Yeah, yeah. how's this going to be interesting? This sounds awful." And then you go and you're like, "Yeah, it's just oh, I mean, like, literally it's a, this yeah. whole thing is sort of a little bit contrived, like this idea that he needs a driver because at one point somebody, had, someone in the past that we don't have anything yeah. like know about needed a driver and got in an accident or something, so that this person you kind of go." Oh, Okay, but the whole movie hinges on that like moment. There's a thing I read where they like admitted they're like, this is a weird introduction to like why he needs like doesn't make any sense. But they're like, oh well, just we just need to have the driver. So just say it's because of this. Yeah, um, a little too much Uncle Vanya in it for so it's similar. Like this is the other movie. I disagree. So I think it works totally, but like it's it's that other text that you're trying to use to compare to your story, and there's just a lot of it. There is a lot of it. There, there, but it works. There's really a lot well. of it. I mean, it works a, there, for me. I mean, there's a lot of movie, but yeah, and I think I think I actually really like the and I, I you know I wasn't watching and I'm sure if I ever watch this movie again it'll make a little more sense, but like the Uncle Vanya the recording of his wife I think that's an incredible invention. Yeah, um, really, really good. Yeah. I used to run lines like that when I was acting, and I so I I, I know how that's like and. Uh, uh, I was actually, you know, in a checkoff play. No big deal. Which one? Um, it was a, it was an, it was a Paul S- or a Neil Simon adaptation of a checkoff play. But um, so, uh, 
and I, I did that same process. And so, you know, it's but it's also like this his dead wife speaking to him about this play that he's making. Yeah. And, and they do it so so smart because right. you don't and know they, that at yeah, first. They, they put that and they put it in there. I I'm sure those are poignant moments. I mean it was hard enough to follow with all the different languages, but like and also just like the idea I mean, maybe this is something that happens in Asia a yeah, lot, but I the did. idea of these international productions all is different languages. fascinating, I think. Yeah. 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 So, I, so for I people who haven't seen it, they're they're putting on the show where nobody's speaking necessarily the same language. Right. You have somebody signing, you have somebody speaking English, yeah, you have somebody it's all speaking being Japanese. Subtitled. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty crazy. My number three is Joe Kim Trier and Esco vote for a worst person in the world. Alright. Um you know anything you want to add to no, that? Yeah, I do good, feel like you're yeah, good. Really, okay. really great screenplay. Uh my number three is uh Nicole Holofficer. Hall of Center. Drink. Yeah. Uh Ben Affleck and Matt Damon for the last duel. Mm. Um Damn, that's a good one. Yeah, we're all light. I know. Um, so, this is obviously uh, sort of Kurosawa, like just the idea of these three different yeah. Rashomon type stories. So, it's not necessarily super original, but the way that it's pulled off and the way that it's written um, through these different perspectives and the what they and a lot of credit has to go to Ridley Scott too. But what they decided to show based on, I mean. Any yeah. of this long story and also the structure of it with the bookends, starting with sort of the duel and ending with that same duel and how we got there um, after seeing all these different perspectives so that you can sort of form a full story on it. Um, even these little moments they do, like uh, when they're first going into battle uh, and, yeah. you know, Matt Damon you know, at first you think Matt Damon's the hero, and then you think he's being arrogant getting yeah. into there, and like you and see, not, like then he's not very good, and then he's not as good, and he's, <laughs> he gets his life saved that same day by the same person. Like, I, I, I think it's really, really well written in the dialogue. Again, it's, it's. And I don't want it to get overlooked. The 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 story surrounding the rape in this movie yeah. is re- really good and topical. I mean, you have Adam Driver's character who is convinced yeah. that he did nothing wrong. And, you know, and says things to her like we couldn't help ourselves, which is something that is a real thing. And, you know, uh, in in Jodie Comer's storyline, you uh, a little bit more is introduced about, like, how women respond when they're raped and what they do. Do they stand up for it or do they just let it be and live their life? And I think all that stuff is a really important aspect of this script that can get overlooked because of the structure of the Rashomon technique, all that other stuff. Yeah, and also, like, that's just such a smart use of that technique, like, to be able to do this. I I don't know, like, this movie, by far, this year, is the one that's not getting enough credit for me. Like, I think it was so good, and, and no, uh, you know, nobody's talking about it. Number twos? Yep. Uh, Lost Daughter. Maggie Gyllenhaal? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this movie a lot, I think... The script is a big part of why I liked it, um, as you do. <laughs> um, I, I know we she changed the ending, and I think it was for the better in relation to the book, but I know we all didn't love the way it ended. Yeah. Um, but again, I think the flashbacks are so seamless. I love the way those are written in particular. I just think it's all, I think it's just a very, very well-written movie. The dialogue really feels completely natural to me. Uh, I think it's structurally very good. Um, and I think overall, it's just a very interesting story. And, and it seems simple, but oh, scam likely. It seems simple, but seeing Jesse Buckley's character, her what she, like what she goes through motivating who Olivia Coleman's Leda is, like right. that's that's obviously like yeah, and the reveal, crit- most yeah, critical aspect point, yeah. of the movie. But like that's so 
that's not an easy thing to write necessarily. So I think that that's that's really impressive. Um, my number two is Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Wow, uh, surprising. That is number two. Yeah, a little bit. All right, my number two is Adam McKay for Don't Look Up. Um, again, I think it's like. Let's not forget, you worked on this movie. I did work on this movie, but I I think what he's able to pull off in because that screenplay plays the way that the movie ends up playing. And it was, you know, it's an incredible high wire act to be able to do, to pull that off, which you can agree, I guess, or disagree whether he did. I think he absolutely did. And he, it, it read so natural, like screenplays are hard to read. Like yeah. even the great ones, like if you had yeah. it, they're hard to read. He definitely writes in a way that you just, you can visualize it and see it um, come together. So uh, I think it's just, Again, I'd want to rehash everything, but just it it being as topical and smart and witty and funny as it is, and and to be able to get all those different pieces to work, it's number two. All right, number one. Number one. Worst person in the world. Yeah, that's your number one too. No, mine. That was my number three. Oh, but yeah. Um, I just it's hard to argue. Oh yeah. It's even at my number three. Yeah. Um. I can't believe this. My number one was not on your list. It's uh, the last duel, Nicole Hall Center and Matt Damon mm. and Ben Affleck. I, wow, this is going to be an interesting, amazing, category. amazing. This was my. This was as soon as I saw this movie. I said best screenplay of the year, and mm. I it never looked back. It, even despite some really great screenplays, I was just like, this is brilliant. Uh, all right, my number one is Drive My Car. Wow, I, where are we going with yeah. this? I don't know. I, we have a lot that are only on two lists. Yeah, I know. Worst person might win. Yeah, because it was your number one, and it was on all three of our lists. But I just it was low think on I, I just really like the structure of Drive My Car and what they how they decided to, like it not only sort of fit together from the beginning to the end and wrap things up really smart, but also the journey in between kind of felt different. It didn't feel like it got there in the same like three act structure. It got there in its own That's sort true. of That's zigzaggy way. Um, but for for a slow three hour yeah. Japanese movie, this movie does not feel long like it no. it's very efficient like it yeah. feels i i was like it was long for like, sure the credits but don't was, show up for 45 minutes which in, is insane into this movie yeah. and we've already introduced <laughs> my mom was like is this another did another movie start <laughs> <laughs> and we introduced his wife and which is a very complicated character yeah. that's written and we lose her within that first 45 minutes and it's not like this movie goes in like the typical direction but you take stuff from like that first forty-five minutes and kept, you know, bringing it back little by little to to sort of end the the, the film. And I thought just the structure of the screenplay was by far the most impressive writing right. of the year. So Lee, close out. Who's the winner? Close out the first. <clears throat> this is uh, gonna, the most the contentious. Uh, it is the worst person in the world. Wow, by by a pretty yeah, yeah by margin. four points. Um, number two is uh, the last duel with twelve. And then number three is Drive My Car, also with 12 points. So Those were only person, on two lists. I mean, that's that's what, you know. And we all person. had wor- Worst Person in the World. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm upset, not, yeah, it's not a upset great screenplay. with that. Yeah. So that's the thing about the Fixies. The winner tends to be the right choice, yeah. ultimately. We have a, we have a competent point we, we system. We have yeah. a good system. <laughs> all right, well, you want to wrap up this episode? All right. Well, guys, this has been a blast from Vegas yep. at the Aria <laughs> Casino Resort Hotel. We'll be back here next week. Next week, we're, we're going to fly back. We just, 
Uh, we're just gonna stay the whole time. We're just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thank don't... you to your your for your donations. We're gonna spend the week here, <laughs> di- fine dining, and... yeah. living living up <laughs> life. Don't... But this is this has been a blast. This has obviously been the best fixie so far. Let's see if we can top it with part two.